this is the 13th floor. Listen to a vet of WBN production at TBJ Radio. You can tune in to the Bronx Journal website, Anchor, Spotify, and SoundCloud to catch some of our shows. Also, check our website and social media. I'm Mark Robinson, and I'm here with Richard Best. And our mm-hmm. guest is Susan Watson-Turner, and we're doing a show about Veterans Day and what non-veterans would like to know from vets. Good morning, gentlemen, and thank you for your service. Thank I appreciate you. I appreciate you both and what you do and what you represent. But you know, uh, listen to a vet, I think it's time for us to really listen to you. And, and a lot of non-vets have what probably to veterans are silly questions. But because we're from the outside looking in and trying to really, you know, part of WBN's um, mission is also to help your family and friends understand what your what your thought patterns are. So that's really what birth listening to a vet. So, and now we got two great vets here, um, very different generations, but you've seen some things come on and what does it mean to be a veteran today in this time and day, especially with what's going on in the world? You want to take that one first? Age or? before beauty or? I got it. I got this one. Okay. First mm-hmm. and foremost, thank you for saying um, you appreciate us being veterans. Uh, to answer your question, um, what does it mean to be a veteran in this time and day? First and foremost, we go into a presidential election and it's a for whatever reasons, we haven't elected a president yet. So that means we don't have a commander in chief, okay? Uh, well, we do have one, but um, he's a lame duck uh, commander in chief. <laughs> okay, okay, let me, let, me re- let me digress, okay? The whole issue is this, um, being a veteran, hmm, that's hard to say because you, I'm still a person first and foremost, okay? Um, being a veteran in today's time, uh, Mark, you wanna take that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that, um, yeah. I guess there's like a two, kind of like a, a, like a two, a double-edged sword, right? I think now um, veteran issues are being more uh, highlighted and being into the limelight so people can, I guess, are more aware of veterans and um, some of the, I guess, struggles that veterans go through. But at the same time, they don't, it's not, uh, it's not part of their like everyday life. You know, like we, it's always, I mean, veterans come up like during elections pretty much. And that's usually when we have, you know, because people pander to, to the veteran community for votes. So veteran issues usually come up, you know, in waves of every four years. Um, but as, as far as like the day-to-day things that veterans go through, I don't think people are aware of that. I, uh, you know, we get more visibility because we're in the workplace, but nobody really talks about veteran issues. They have high visibility on veterans themselves, but not their issues. So I think that it's great that people are, um, that veterans are in the forefront of people's um, conscious as well, for whatever reason, whether it be elections or seeing more of us in the workplace. But I think that, you know, uh, what we go through is not as big. And then, you know, the fact that we've been 
in the longest war that <laughs> in history now. So I guess that, you know, that's always ever present. And the fact that, you know, we have, what was that? I saw that they were saying that people, their parents who fought in the war are sending their kids to the same war. The same so war. I guess that that cycle give veterans more limelight, uh, more like, more attention is kind uh, of a generational thing. Yeah, it's exactly. Like a generational thing. Wow, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that point of view, where this yeah this Middle East war has gone on for quite some time, generations. You know, you got it there. What does that what what does that then do to the image of the veteran in the and you know, I think we talked about this before in the entertainment industry. We're starting to even to see more characters that are identified as veterans. Are they being true to the image, and or is it kind of a distortion just for entertainment? Mm. Mm. Let, let me get <laughs> this one. I got, I got this. Okay. Um, since we are dealing with a project right now um, that depicts veterans. Um, in a, a heroic uh, position, finding costumes to fit, or finding costumes to authentic, um, to authenticize um, the the period, the time period is very difficult. All right. So when you're talking about fitting a veteran uh, for, let's say, World War One, which the, the equipment no longer exists. So you have to sort of piecemeal it together to make it look sort of, sort of kind of like <laughs> what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. uh, then, then you move up and say World War Two. Well, there, there are more authentic equipment available. Okay, mm -hmm. so you can so much, you can pretty much piece together an authentic uniform, meaning uh, dress uniform, meaning combat uniforms. Mm -hmm. uh, Whichever way you Depending want. Depending upon what part of the service they were in and all of that. Right. That's more readily available. World War mm -hmm. One, you can't find that. You know, or at least it's harder to find. Let's put it that way. So and to World really War make II. it authentic, you you have to sometimes they have to remake those those actual war yeah, the, you know, the wardrobe for Well for depending on your budget. Right. That depends yeah. on your budget. But even on on another project that we're working on for WBN you know, we, we've had discussions about the portrayal of PTSD in different people because the character, the main character had PTSD. That's very unique to every character, right? I mean, is it, it's not, yeah. is it the same no, for everybody? I, I mean, I think there's stuff that, that is similar in everybody's experience with PTSD, but I guess mm -hmm. there's also, you know, differences in especially how, uh, it triggers in the body or what triggers it. Like I know, mm -hmm. um, you know, somebody was, uh, was talking about how they swerved off the road because the plastic bag, they thought it was an IED. Whereas like some people are, can't be around fireworks. Um, but I think that unique aspect of it sometimes don't get, you know, especially in, in, I guess in Hollywood, like a lot of, it's always like an extreme, right? Like a lot of the representation is like the romanticized portion of it. Like, Everybody's always special operations and they're all like going around, you know, killing people with forks and stuff like that. But like the, the experience, you know, not everybody in the military was special forces, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, cooks that went through 
combat their you know their experiences and you know or 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 uh uh medical you know doctors or uh you know corpsmen and stuff like that those guys who you know had to actually patch people up in wartime and and i think that some of their stories don't really get translated well because it's not the action hero right the, no one no one wants to hear about the admin guy who, <laughs> you know who sorted the mail right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like no one wants to the guy who made sure that your leave got put in on time that his veteran experience nobody really cares you know nobody's pitching that to NBC. but um, you know, so i think that there's always um they always show especially on tv and, and movies a specific type of veteran right always the super resourceful combat trained ready at the drop of a hat who might have a little bit of mental problems because yeah. he had to kill a bunch of people. But yeah. of course, while he's doing it, it's, it's fine. Right. Like I'm, I'm great. I could just go, somebody kidnapped my daughter it's and I go kill 20 people. Yeah. I go yeah. kill 20 people because they kidnapped my daughter. But yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. I, I, I think more of the everyday veteran, that part doesn't get, you know, um, mm -hmm. represented right. enough. Yeah. Let me say this from someone who has PTSD. All right. Um, it affects different people in different ways. All right. There are people who have been diagnosed with PTSD, mm -hmm. severe PTSD, as a matter of fact. And then the, the, those who are diagnosed at all. Mm -hmm. All right. Those who haven't been diagnosed yet um, still are traumatized, but they're walking out here thinking that they're functional. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a misnomer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, until they are fully diagnosed or um, with PTSD, um, you're going to have people like homeless veterans. You're going to have people uh, in incarcerations, you know, mm -hmm. uh, mass incarcerations of veterans. Um, that's what happens to them because they're trying to assimilate back into a society that they no longer fit into. Well, that brings me really to to the next question because I know what Mark was talking about. We we did see the mash and you know see sort of the behind the scenes portrayal of veterans, but sometimes um, we don't see what you're talking about, which are you know the ones who are unsuccessful in kind of re-entering, and. This, I guess, gets to the next point, and and it kind of takes us into a very serious matter. But um, that question that people ask you: Did you ever kill anybody? And how many people did you kill? And you know, yes, because you hear it a lot. It's it's funny, but from the non-veteran side of it, you know, we we may live our whole lives and never experience that. Oh, I what got this think? one. What let do you me, say let me ask you something. As a black person, do you get offended when somebody walks up to you and says, oh, your hair is really curly. Can mm -hmm. I touch it? Mm -hmm. Same thing happens with a veteran. You walking up to a veteran, a war veteran, may I add, okay, <laughs> a combat vet, and you're going to ask him, have you killed anybody? Mm -hmm. Obviously, his job is to kill. He's been trained to do this. Mm -hmm. This is what he does. So we take it as an offense. Mm -hmm. At least I do as a combat veteran. I take it as an offense for someone to walk up to me and say, have you killed anyone? And then my, my, my reaction is usually harsh, like, 
yeah, you're the next one, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want to know if I killed anybody, you know, right. you're standing here asking me, you know. I'm a veteran, a war Especially veteran. Especially in Vietnam, right? A right. combat veteran, yes. Right, right. All right? So I, I, I think people need to be more cognizant of how to approach a veteran and what to say, okay? Right. It's just like, uh, you know, just be thoughtful, be mindful, period. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that also goes to the romanticization of war, right? Like mm -hmm. people, every, you know, most people's idea of war is what they see in, you know, Steven Spielberg war movie or something like that, where, you know, again, like the everyday thing that you do while you're in combat in theater, like it doesn't translate well to, you know, doing weapons check and firewatch and stuff like like <laughs> stuff like you know uh, on you know kp do like none of that translate well to tv so generally when people ask me that question i usually tell them that that's not the question that they want to ask me mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not, that's not what you really want to know like if you want to know if i've been to war that's a that's a good question but like though if you want to know if i killed people and i'm like have you killed people like is this are we doing like a killer's Support group, like uh, is that, yeah. that what's right, right, <laughs> happening right, right. right now? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because if you we some stories, I mean, I didn't know, you know. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's an annoying question because I think, like, again, a lot of times your entire service is boiled down to like one thing, right? Mm -hmm. Whether or not you killed somebody, and mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. there could be people literally in theater right now that never killed, a, you know, that never even got into a firefight. Like that's not the only part of military service. So yeah, I generally get annoyed when I hear that question too. Well, that's that that's understandable. And this is listen to a vet. Today we are dedicating our questions and and with our, our two veterans at WBN to listen to what's going on inside their heads and, and to kind of get out um, you know, what we can do from the from a non veteran point of view to better understand what their experience has been. Um, do you we're gonna take a, okay. I was gonna say, we can take a quick break. We'll, uh, we'll be back after the short break. Also check our website and social media. And any questions you can send to wbnradio at webelongnetwork.org. Hero. I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. I'm a veteran. I'm a veteran of the United States Air Force. Army. Navy. Marine Corps. Coast Guard. I wanted a better future. I wanted to go out into the world. To make a difference. I wanted to fight. To stand up. To protect. To bring freedom. To put my life on the line for something bigger than myself. But war sucks. I hate war. War is cruel. War is death. I never knew if I was going to live. If I was ever going to see my family again. My wife. My husband. My daughter. My son. My mother. My father. My brothers. But I kept fighting. And I kept wanting to make things right. That was my dream. My hope. To fight. To win. Now I'm back home. I feel alone. Misunderstood. Judged. Misrepresented. Stereotyped. Forgotten. I feel guilty. And some days, Nothing happens. Nothing. Nothing. Some days. All hell breaks loose. And I'm right back there. Surviving. Fighting. I can't relate. 
to most people. They want me to be okay. They want to help. I don't want pity, but I appreciate respect. I want to know that I made a difference. I'm not a hero. I'm a veteran. I'm not weak. I'm strong. But sometimes I need help. But I will keep fighting. My name is Micaela. I joined the Army at 17. When I came back from Iraq a few years ago, I became pregnant and ended up homeless. I didn't have my own place, so I stayed at my sister's. I stayed at my stepmom. I actually stayed here on this bed at my grandma's house, and I stood right here in my grandpa's spare room. But I was running out of options until I finally found this transitional house. It was for women veterans with children. Do you remember when we used to sleep on this bed together? Some of the other women there would help me watch her while I worked and went to school. And then we moved into our own place. It was through VA supportive housing. I remember our first night here. I felt like I could finally breathe. My life works now. I got help from VA, and now I'm on a mission to share these resources with other vets who face homelessness. If you're a veteran at risk of becoming homeless, call 877-424. 3838. And we're back with 13th Floor, Listen to a Vet. I'm Mark Robinson, and I'm joined with, by, by Richard Best, and our guest is Susan Watson-Turner, and we're discussing veterans just in general, how uh, veterans are perceived, and questions that non-veterans may have. So, so we just got the announcement that we have a pending uh, commander-in-chief. So as veterans, if you were serving now, what would you feel like if that particular person from the government is not the one that you favor? Do you serve them wholeheartedly anyway? Well, let me get this one too. Listen, <laughs> first and foremost, the commander of chief is the chief of the army. So it doesn't matter your political views, first and foremost. When you're at war and your face is in the dirt, okay, he puts you there, okay? So your, your thing is about survival. It's not about um, uh, your politics because that's a separate issue, all right? Your thing is about watching the backs of your uh, comrades. Your thing is about uh, living to the next day. All right, his thing is about politics. First thing your uh, sergeant will tell you is, look, whatever's happening out there in the world is happening. Ain't nothing you're going to do about it until you get back out there. But you, right now, you're here. So it has, it has no bearings as far as who is the commander, whether you like it or not. He is your boss. That's it. Is that the same? I, I agree to that. I, I would say the only difference, I guess, um, being that I was, well, I guess I was in when Trump got elected, and um, I was with Richard I, Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> the, the prototype of Trump. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was just going to say, being in, like, being in the military when, when there's, um, I guess, more where people are uh, have a, a, a better avenue of expressing their political views, mm -hmm. whether it be, you know, in social media or um, kind of puts a unique spin on it, right? Especially with the Trump uh, 
with Trump being elected because yeah. it, as you know, the, you know how do you say everybody? There's no black or white. Everybody, you know, it's only green, right? We green. But mm-hmm. however, yeah. <laughs> yes. Apparently, you're either light green or dark it's green. Dark green. <laughs> That's That's it's still distinguished, yes. Right, and it's still distinguished. And you know, I being somebody who's you know out uh, outspoken and and it, it it's a it's a it's a you know you you want to believe that the people that are giving you orders and the people that you are, you know, left and right with and, and that they don't view you any differently, right? Based on their political views. But because now we have all of these avenues to where people can, I guess, show their true colors, mm-hmm. it kind of paints it in a different way. You know, like you're, you, I'm supposed to trust you with my life, but you're right, retweeting white supremacists. Uh, you're you're <laughs> or, a racist. Yeah, or you know, I had a um, I had a a guy in my old unit. He like he he was recently um kicked out because he like was the leader of a like a neo Nazi group. Wow! But do they put their politics aside as well? No, as wait, they wait, ask wait, you wait, to put wait. yours aside. No, no, stop, stop. We have to understand what we're talking about here. Okay, we're talking about the United States Army, armed forces, that encompasses all of them. So that it's just a microcosm of what your society is. All right. So yes, you're gonna have this you're gonna have the racism in there. I'm I'm from the Vietnam era, okay. Black people and white people were separated. Okay. We had we were so far in the jungle, we called it Motown. Okay, because we was playing, you know, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles and Supremes and whatnot on the loudspeakers. You move further up, you f- move further down south, and you know you hear, you know, you hear all kinds of other stuff. Okay, but the further you go up north, the darker it gets. Let's not let's let's be real about this. Okay because that's exactly the way our society was because we was going through a civil rights thing, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. So it was separated. And so basically what Mark was saying, it's the neo-Nazis are a reflection of our society, basically. Yeah, but we, all we had neo-Nazis right next to us in the foxholes, okay? Yeah, yeah. well, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. I guess the same thing was like, you know, uh, the same way neo-Nazis come into the military is the same way gang members come into the That's military. That's right. The yeah, exact the same, same way. way. That's right. And so, yeah. And so that, I, I think it, it's, they're still there. I guess the, the expectation is that you leave that stuff to the side to uh, do your duty. But <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it, it's not. And I think, you know, at least, uh, you know, Mr. Best, in your era, it was a lot, I won't say a lot easier to hide it, but it was a lot easier to push that stuff aside, right? Because you don't have a digital footprint. Like, they can say whatever they want, right? They can, but none of that stuff is documented unless they document it. Whereas, like, you know, here, if somebody is on Twitter, like, retweeting white supremacists or, you know, on, you know, in Germany, filming, like, a gang initiation, like that stuff follows you, right? And that stuff that's quantifiable. Like you can, and then it's harder to, as somebody who who, who witnesses, it's 
it might be it might be harder for you to set that stuff aside. Like it's harder if I'm if I'm watching you know my battle buddy beat up like black people because they hate black people, then it's gonna be harder for me to not see that. You know, like it's gonna be harder for me to to, it's so to all right, just push. These yeah, days. yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. so it's so accessible these days, and 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 especially at at that particular climate, it. People more are more emboldened to give those <laughs> views, whether you like it or not. And wow. you know, I think that it's kind of a it's a double edged sword, like I said before, because it's you know you're supposed to push all that stuff to the side, but it's a lot harder, especially with with the 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 frequency and and boldness of it mm. nowadays. That it's, it's you know people feel really comfortable saying <laughs> whatever they want right it's true, it's you know, true. A lot of and then you're supposed to out there you know yeah, yeah and, and you're supposed to you know and, and some, you're supposed to represent the uniform right not represent the person right. but sometimes some people it's harder for them to make that distinction but you're supposed to still be able to perform your duty as, you know, a, and, unit. as, one, as a unit that's right? the other thing is i don't think it's hard for them to make that distinction as opposed to them not wanting to make that distinction mm. because the thing yeah. is the thing is this yes they know it's wrong or yes they 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 want to feel that they so right or so superior even that they can mm. tell you what's right and wrong or or what you need to believe that mm. what you need to start doing to, uh further their agenda okay yeah. so it's got nothing to do with whether you accept it or not you know, you hear that now, uh, they got Karen's walking around telling people, oh my God, you're smoking in public, you know? Okay, it's yeah. got nothing to do whether you're right, have the right to smoke in public. Oh, it offends me. Okay, so I'm gonna call the police on you and then and then when the police comes, whose story are they gonna listen to? Right. Okay, so the same thing happens in the service. All right. When we're when we're in the combat zone and we're under fire, and your head is in the dirt, and you and you try try trying to shoot in front of you to see who's out there or to hit anything out there, okay? Mm -hmm. You hoping that the next guy has a line of fire just like you do. So if mm -hmm. all of you guys are firing in the same direction, mm -hmm. you got a better chance of killing whatever it is that's out there. Right. You're separate. So you gotta pull together, really. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But for that instance only, yeah. because when you come out, beyond that, <laughs> right? Okay, we all go to our separate hooches, and you know, all the pot smokers are in one, all the mm -hmm. drinkers are in another. But you find yeah. some commonalities, though, and I think work that is a real strength of you know serving in the armed forces, and we're seeing now that a lot more politicians are coming out of that background. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, now we're, it's a very uh, prominent part of people's platform that they served in the armed forces that are now going into politics. Do you think yeah. that's a good thing or a bad thing? I, I would say, I, I think it's a great thing. First and foremost, um, those people serve the country. All right, so I feel more, mm, I feel, I feel better that um, someone who served can represent the veteran population first and foremost, okay? Mm -hmm. 
But with that being said, if they're running for an office like Congress, you serve a bigger population. Right. But since you were a part of the, the initiative of being a veteran, then you're more apt to hold veteran interests in your heart mm. and in your mind. Mm. So we're hoping that all those people who were elected, uh, who are veterans, they're not going to forget that they were veterans. That's something that's embedded in you now. So they're going to still be veterans, but they still serve a larger population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's definitely better as everything that Jesus uh, said, Mr. Best, especially, you know, when, especially when it comes down to making decisions, like they know the weight of that decision more than some rich person who's never served, or mm-hmm. they know that their kids are not going to serve, right? Like they have a bunch of people who have no qualms about sending your children to war because they never, they'll never turn there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that it's, that is more than lip service. Like they'll actually, you know, when they try to increase the budget, the the budget is, you know, like the, that money goes to the actual soldiers and not the contractors, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. when they try to, you know, uh, fight for veterans health uh, benefits that they're, they're trying to benefit the, the veteran and not like the, <laughs> the big pharma apparatus that, that you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's pushing I, it's the medication so, on veterans, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's they it's have a better understanding thing. of Yeah, than mm-hmm. just, you know, the lip service that most that a lot of politicians pay to veterans just to try to get the vote. Where they actually know, you know, the things that people are going through. They've seen it on the ground, they've seen it, you know, and and in the community, whether whether and sometimes <clears throat> even in their families, you know. Yeah, you have yeah exactly. Someone that's, that's in the armed forces. That's in your family. You, you have a very, at least a better understanding. Not yeah, you know, and good. Well, yes and no, because family don't really understand veterans. If that's where you're going with this question. Well, really, I was looking at it from the point of uh, politicians that okay. are running. You okay. know that that seemed that to. They had a veteran in their family, so they're more apt to be veteran friendly. Well, like. Well, Brian, I was gonna say they can like have a direct line to know like certain aspects of like they don't know the firsthand experience of being a veteran, but they know like maybe the struggle of their veteran brother trying to get healthcare, or mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, a, a friend of the family that became homeless because you know mm-hmm. things like that. Like they can they have someone and that they can directly ask for insight for a certain thing even though they didn't represent you know even though they didn't go through they weren't there themselves but as opposed to somebody who just grew up in like super rich circles who's never even met a public servant rather than than, uh, you know or veterans (laughs) don't want to meet a public servant they do is not under good circumstances right exactly exactly so i yeah i get that also and, and even in looking at that, would would you today um, ever consider encouraging young young people to go into the military? Do you do you encourage young people to take that pursuit? Especially, you know, we're now in this climate of questioning higher education as a path to a career versus, you know, really getting out there and, and working as an apprentice and doing that kind of thing. Would you? Do you think it's still a valuable experience? I think that is a great question for when we come back. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Oops. 
<laughs> so uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, if you have any questions, you can send it to WBN Radio at WeBelongNetwork.org. Um, again, you can check us out on, on Anchor, Spotify, and SoundCloud. That is 13 Floor Lessons for that. We'll be right back. I served in the U.S. Army. I served in the Navy. Air Force. Marine Corps. Hoorah. I was a 31 Bravo military police officer. Security Forces. 82nd Airborne. Radio Operator. SEAL Team 1. I was stationed at Camp Anaconda in Iraq. In Afghanistan. Vietnam. My service weapon was an M4 assault rifle. My service weapon was an M16. It's basically the same. You know what? It is the same. As the AR-15. Same weapon that's killed hundreds of people in the deadliest mass shootings in America. I know the power of this weapon firsthand. 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 And there is no reason. No reason. No reason. Why anyone other than military and law enforcement should have an assault weapon like this. I fought for this country. I believe in the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms. But that was created too. 100 years ago. Guns have changed a lot since then. High-powered, rapid-fire assault rifles like the AR-15 are meant for one thing. One thing. One thing. That's not something I want in my country. My name is Corporal Aiken. My name is Specialist LaHaye. Petty Officer, Second Class Day. Corporal Williams. Sergeant Yen. Airman Batesel. Staff Sergeant Houseman. Corporal Henderson. Staff Sergeant Sason. Corporal De Jesus. Specialist Del. Captain Vernier. Senior Airman Rice. Specialist Parker. Petty Officer Williams. My name is Sergeant Bell, and I support the ban on military-style assault rifles and safer gun laws in this country. your attitude becomes bad and brings out depression and it brings out your PTSD which is really not good because you get into that mode where you'll go back into the combat mode thinking about someone else doing you bodily harm or trying to take whatever perimeter that you have you see him over here by himself 90% of the time he's by himself because that's the way he protects himself if you stayed in a certain area more than a period of time, the majority of people didn't know what reason that you're homeless or what the problem is, and they'd end up calling the police on you. The police would come, well, after, you know, getting locked up two or three times, you was like, okay, well, I don't want to do that part no more. I survived it, but I really don't suggest it. You know, you, you know it's not such a good thing. Robinson joined with Richard Best and our host Susan Watson Turner in our Veterans Day episode. Uh, before the break, uh, Susan asked about whether we would still um, encourage young uh, young people to to choose the military as a career path, um, especially given that with the with the uh, I guess the pushback for a higher education or like apprenticeship or something like that. So I'll let you take this one, Mr. Best. Okay, great. Thanks, Mark. Okay, um, 
first and foremost, uh, the military, let me say this, is a good career choice if that's what you choose to do. Okay, um, I have a nephew of mine who's in the military right now, and he chose to go there uh, against, you know, my wishes anyway, uh, because my experiences that I had in the military was bad. So I tried to tell him, no, don't go there. Oh, anything could happen, blah, blah, blah. But what he said was, listen, Unc, I appreciate your input as a veteran, but I'm going to go in so that I can have a career so that when I get out, I would only be 48 years old, okay? Mm -hmm. And I could start another career and get a pension from all of this. Mm -hmm. So he had a plan. I told him, okay, you go do what you got to do. Then the next one that came to me and asked me, Mr. Best, would you rather, um, what do you think about me going into the military? He says, uh, first and foremost, I'm a college graduate, okay? I want to go into the military, you know, to um, have a career. That's a totally different thing from being a, a grunt. Uh, <laughs> For all you guys out there who are 11 bravos, woo -ah. <laughs> all right, what? So you know, you know what I'm talking about, okay? The ones who are officers, you know, uh, the first lieutenants, they come out with you. The captains stay in the rear. The generals and the, and the, and the colonels, they're all back there, okay? But when you out there um, in, the, in, in the dirt, uh, all right, you don't have no um, no officers there. You have NCOs, okay? Mm -hmm. So as long as you're an officer, you're a little bit out of harm's way, particularly if you're going into a combat position. But if you're not going into a combat position and you're, you become an administrator or you're a, a communication officer or payroll or any of those things, you good. Mm -hmm. It's a great career choice. So yeah. it depends on the individual. Yeah, I, I agree about the it, the individual. Usually if someone asks me, I kind of, I usually ask them, what is it that they're looking to get out of um, you know, being in the military, right? Mm -hmm. So you could, um, and then I tell them to like think about, you know, I, I'm definitely not going to be the, some per the person that tells you to go, to go to college. That's an easy thing to say, especially, mm -hmm. but you know, how are you going to pay for that, right? And mm -hmm. so that could be, you know, the military could be a path to 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 enable that, right? You could do, you know, do your four years and come out and use the GI Bill or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I also tell them that to think about the career choice that they want in the military because, and whether or not that's something that kind of mirrors what they want to do in, in a civilian career because then you could, like, okay, for me, I... I most of it, I do IT, right? And a lot of the my occupations in the military were IT related. So a lot of that experience translated over to, to being a civilian. Um, and you know, you can also use the military for certification and do all that all that other stuff. I I think the problem with um, saying a definitive yes or no is that you I try to take my personal experience of being in the military out of the decision and try to look at it from like a more rational, logical uh, perspective for that person, right? If they don't have any money to get to go to college, then 
you know, the besides the life skills, I guess, like for in terms of like leadership skills, and because the military, if anything else, it teaches you leadership skills, um, you know, besides making your bunk every day. But so, you know, that stuff can also translate into whatever field you go into. Mm-hmm. So I'm generally not like a, a person that's like trying to tell somebody not to go into the military. If you usually if people come to me, they've already made that decision. Okay. And I, I just try to give them the advice from my, you know, to, to help them make that decision on come to whatever decision they want to on insight. their own. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. the yeah. things that they could should look for. Like again, yeah. if that translates to the civilian job, you know. Right. That. Let me say this they also. Go in. Uh-huh. Uh me and Mark both um use the GI Bill to you know uh for educational purposes. Yeah. So if you're going in and you saying I can't afford to go to college and the GI Bill or the, uh the military will pay for my education by all means. Yeah. By all means. So it really it. depends on their their goal, really. It so is the socioeconomic level. That's well, what yeah. What their goals in the military and civilian life, where they intersect, and then mm-hmm. one could complement right. the other. Socioeconomic right. Right. Level. That's great. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Now, we're seeing also a lot of organizations we, uh, coming out that are in supporting veterans. And of course, we're part of that group, We Belong Network. And it came out of uh, just a, an effort at Lehman College to, you know, use our veterans and, and highlight our veterans in a way that maybe they were getting a little bit lost in the sauce to highlight their experiences and their talents and, and to bring kind of, we've had a wonderful joining of Bronx veterans and New York veterans and New Jersey veterans, but there's there seems to be a lot of organizations out there that want to serve veterans. Are they being effective uh, in in meeting your needs? Or are we still, are we even seeing now a lot of commercials for VA, you know, services and things like that? Uh, is it really helping? Is it helping this process? I guess both of you can kind of answer that. Um, I think okay. on some level, yes but on some level no but so i'll say from i guess like a bureaucracy standpoint um certain you know there's a lot of organizations that want you know whether it be they want the veteran dollar but don't want the veteran right like Mm -hmm. they want to be able to have the veteran come in and use their use their services take some pictures but then whether or not those organizations are actually trying to go to bat for that veteran like go and you know if <laughs> i had a conversation with somebody before and i was like have you ever talked to a homeless veteran or do you just mm-hmm. like throw change at them and and move mm-hmm. on you know mm-hmm. and i think that's a different mm-hmm. thing like you know if you go into a place that tried to get to for help and they give you a card that tells you to go to someplace else mm-hmm. and but then now you can check off that you helped a veteran today mm-hmm. i think that's totally different than like you know, actually taking a vested interest in that veteran in their development or in trying to get them from from being like homeless to getting some type of housing or, you know, and that process is long and is involved. And whether or not people have the, 
the grit for that, and, and whether this in the, uh, they're in it for the glory of helping a veteran or they're there to help the veteran is always like two different things, at least in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, yeah. I, I agree <laughs> with what Mark says, but um, all, all institutions or organizations are built with people. Okay. Mm-hmm. The organization itself might be a good idea. All right, but it's the people that run these organizations. Um, how much how much skin do they have in the game? All right, how much do they believe in the veteran initiative or or helping a veteran? All right, so but there are a bunch of other organizations out there, um, you know, that do work. New Horizon, for one. Okay, I'm just saying, you know, it's a great organization that helps homeless veterans um, resettle. Okay. Um, and give them a new place to go. Um, there are a lot of smaller veteran groups like um, New York veterans. Okay, mm-hmm. they're another great bunch of guys, you know, that I'm f- you know, uh, familiar with and we're very friendly. And, um, but the thing is, is that all of these groups are disjointed. They're all separated. You can't go to one place and say, okay, I need this, this, or that, and mm-hmm. find them. Okay, so what we need to do is bring them all under one umbrella. So when a veteran has to, has a problem, uh, educational, a benefit, a housing, or whatever problem he has, uh, uh, health care, he can go and say, okay, I got a health care provider. Mm-hmm. He can go and says, oh, I have a, 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 a counselor for housing or a social worker. He can go and say, okay, as far as my benefits is concerned, I can go to my uh, DAV or my, my whoever, all right, to get these benefits upgraded or looked at because they're taking too long. You want to know where your benefits are and you're sitting here for two years waiting for somebody to contact you. That's unacceptable. So how do we, how do, we do all of this? We build an organization that can accomplish all of it which gives you not only entertainment, okay, but information and resources. It will tell you who, what, and where. It will show you how to go get it, all right? That's what we, that's, that's the, the new wave of American veterans is going, all right? We have a lot of different organizations that are doing a lot of great things, but how many veterans do they serve? Where is their population at? Okay. How can I, from New York, um, take advantage of uh, uh, the Screen Guild out there in, in L.A.? We contacted one one time, and he told us, oh, you two, you over there. You know, you're trying to do the same thing we're doing. So we should all be under one umbrella saying uh, we're here for one reason. Or at least a platform for those organizations. And I think WBN is moving in that direction. I know you're... Um, your code is you want to WBN it, right? That's right. It's kind of Google <laughs> it. WBN it. That's that has right. to do with veterans, and and certainly um, you're right. I don't know that you ever you can get everybody, but it can be you know a parent linked for the VA services or whatever. VA is trying to do some of the very same things. Now but but um. What is the future of WBN? You want to talk about the future oh, and yes. and where you see, you know, 
you're you're a we're both <laughs> in our autumn years. Okay, where do you where do you see WBN in ten years? Okay, um, or twenty years. Okay, WBN is is an organization that was set up um, to run autonomously, first and foremost. That we don't need to be there. What we need to do is train people, all right, to fit the positions that we're in right now. Like Mr. Robinson. Like mm -hmm. Mr. Robinson. He's going to be the next CEO of WBN. Let's <laughs> be real here, okay? He's being suited and booted. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, Mark. <laughs> so um, the thing is, is we want to we wanna take the next generation of soldiers or veterans, and we want to let them know that, yes, you might have a problem trying to find housing. You might have a problem trying to find educational benefits or whatever. But first and foremost, your survival is most is imperative. It's, it's yeah. imperative, okay? And that we are here to show you, or if you want to get into entertainment, you, the production part, the camera part, whatever part it is, you, we could train you. But what we want you to do is take that training and go out there and train somebody else, okay? And come back to us and make a nice film about veterans or about whatever it is, issues that you have or want, all right? We're giving you the avenues, you know, to do the things that you want to do. The information part of it, same thing applies. We need people who are going to come in and who's going to make our information part bigger to connect all the dots that are out there, okay? I've done some of the connecting, but there's a lot more to go, all right? So in five years, I'm not going to be here. It'll be Mark Robinson or someone else like Mark Robinson that's running WBM. Ten years from now, Mark Robinson will be training his his replacement, and so on and so forth. And that's the way the veteran initiative need to move forward. All right, mm -hmm. somewhere we, we had a disconnect. Uh, World War One, they came out, um, everybody had jobs, okay? Everybody had housing. Everybody had, you know, uh, educational benefits. Yeah, they built so, a whole new economy on the World War One. Right, same thing with World War Two. It started yeah. losing it at the Korean War. All right. When when more black soldiers were involved, okay, then it was a disconnect. But you still had ten percent. Um, uh, they, they will say, "Listen, uh, we'll, we'll give you ten percent value on your service." So when you go look for a job, um, you fill out your application. And they say, "Were you a veteran?" They say, "Yes." Well, you, you just went up to this ten percent. Mm -hmm. Okay, but now whether you're on the top or in the middle. <laughs> two different yeah. issues, you know? So that was all part of the game. Now we're here, uh, and, and this Looking issue forward. is right now. So mm -hmm. now where do we go with it, all right? Now we have to feed those new veterans coming out. They're just mm -hmm. being pushed out on the streets just like all veterans have been, mm -hmm. okay? They're being released uh, with the PTSD or with other uh, mental issues or or, or being unprepared, all right? They're being pushed out into homelessness because they no longer can go back to their parents' house because mm -hmm. that's where they left. That's, that's from whence they came. 
You can no longer go back there still. So now what? Your girlfriend is now gone. You can't go sleeping in her house no more. Mm -hmm. So where do you go? What do you do? Mm -hmm. Your whole life has been just changed. Mm -hmm. That's what WBN is about. Call us. Well, Mark, we need to get a little of your vision on where you see WBN in 10 years since you've been now appointed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, I'm not um, the only one got thrown under the bus today. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I... I to piggyback off of Mr. Best said, yeah, I think especially now in this in this um, in this age where I, there's a lot of you know uncertainty and a lot of uh, a lot of veterans aren't being I guess serviced correctly, you know, like they they uh, a lot of them are being like you said, you know, being pushed out and they don't have any kind of like compass for you know how to get how to access their services or how you know what their military service can do for them in terms of the workspace or what um or they might feel that you know they can't go into a certain field because of being a veteran and i think wbn could be that place to where you know besides the the information for being to point them in the direction that they need to go for those resources but also a place to where they could you know especially in entertainment like you don't you hear about the every now famous every now and then a famous actor or producer or something oh he was a veteran but you know people who want to get into that industry they could you know we WBN could be a place for that kind of training or to or at least to highlight that you don't have to go into security <laughs> if you're you know a veteran but if you want to do security come do security on the set because we're right, not right, deployment. So, right. so, so, yeah and i just think that you know and especially in this digital age you can you know uh those things could be married a, a lot better and mm. the outreach to veterans could be a lot uh could work out better in this digital age to where like no it with all the resources that we have as you know, as a community between each other and nobody should be left behind. Like right. nobody should be left behind. Right. Right. So that's my vision. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great, great um, kind of concluding. Nobody should be left mm -hmm. behind because after you serve your country, you are due, you know, the service that the country can give to you. And yeah. I, I, again, as I open the show, want to say thank you to both of you and all of all the veterans around the world. I think it should be Veterans Month, by the way. I yeah. think WBN should take an initiative to next year, make it Veterans Month, because I yeah. know, Mark, you told me Marine Day is uh, Tuesday. Tuesday, actually. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Marine Corps birthday. So and why do we have, uh, we should just celebrate the armed services for the whole month. I don't think we can say enough about this portion of our, country and and the dedication and and everything that they have provided us so happy veterans day all you veterans this is listen and we were listening to two great vets today we and that's <laughs> you know, listen to a vet and you'll learn a lot yes thank you i'd like to thank uh mr bass you susan um this is 13 floor to a vet uh remember to tell your friends and family, you can tune in at the Bronx Journal website, Anchor, Spotify, and SoundCloud to catch our shows. Uh, thank you, and be safe and stay informed.
We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. Dear Father. Dear Rosie. You're reading only one note from me today. This is not the note about my struggles. And difficulties. That I'm insignificant or that I'm weak. I suffer constant pain. Guilt. And misery. This is not a note of sorrow. Not today. Not in this note. Today in this note, I'm thanking you. Thank you for helping me. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me, praying for me. You gave me back everything. Such a simple thing. It's because of you I'm not writing that other note. Let's stop the veteran suicide epidemic. Contact the National Veterans Foundation. Visit mvf.org. The worst part of war should not be coming home.